Welcome. This is Talking Joy, creating joy, inner peace, and authentic connections. My name is Pam Rotelli-Robertson, and I am founder of lifestyle brand Talking Joy. As a certified spiritual director, I have been leading groups with the power of words, the strength of positivity, and the gift of joy. During our time together, our focus will be on simple spiritual practices that can be applied to your everyday life with the wisdom and support of others. Talking Joy talks to help you realize your value. I am so glad you're here. Simple, joyful, fun. Let's get talking. Well, Heather Roos, welcome to the Talking Joy podcast. Heather works with individuals in wisdom, spiritual direction, and facilitates wisdom practice circles, groups, retreats, and wisdom schools. She offers teaching and guidance in various wisdom and mindfulness practices, including centering prayer, Christian meditation, sacred chanting, Lectio Divina, conscious work, and embodiment. Um, You have very many companions that have been your guides and teachers along the way, all of whom have contributed to what you say uh, is the work that you offer. Um, Your work is especially informed by the teachings of Cynthia Bourgeau in the Christian wisdom tradition. And I used the word wisdom quite a few times there, and I just thought, welcome, first of all, and and I thought maybe you could uh, explain what does wisdom mean and and what is the wisdom tradition. Wonderful. Thank you, Pam. So grateful to be here. And yeah, wisdom, one of the ways of understanding it is that it's not so much knowing more, but knowing with more of ourselves and I love a quote from Cynthia Borzo who talks about wisdom. And she says, wisdom is concerned with the transformation of the whole human being. Transformation from what to what? Well, for a starter, from our animal instincts and egocentricity into love and compassion, from a judgmental and dualistic worldview into a non-dual acceptingness. This was the message that Jesus, apparently out of nowhere, came preaching and teaching a message that was radical in its own time and remains equally radical today. So wisdom is really about waking up and um, being more conscious and present in our lives. And what was it about the wisdom that attracted you to to learning sort of this, this way of being in the world? I had grown up in such a tradition that really disconnected me from trusting myself and my ability to recognize wisdom. And so the wisdom path, the way that Cynthia laid it out for me, helped me to see that I do have the ability to discern and know and see wisdom now and to really have a living relationship with Uh, with Jesus and his teachings that were just so much more than what I had been taught that they were, which was a lot of behavior management and not so much a concern for the deep interior. And where's that, where's that coming from? How do I live this and embody this Christian path in my own life and not just have these be a set of beliefs or nice ideas, but to really walk out a path of conscious love, which I believe Jesus was showing us. Yeah. Um, And it's interesting you use the word embodiment and that's exactly what I thought is sort of this embodiment, this interior movement and Mm -hmm. working from the inside out. 
versus the outside in. Is that fair? Yes, that's a beautiful way of saying it. And I often say that's been the shift is, you know, working from the outside in and trying to take all these different um, ideas and teachings and put them inside rather than discovering they already live in there and I can unlock and open to them so that they can come through in a more embodied way. Yeah, I love that. <clears throat> and that's my hope for myself. And, you know, the language might be a little bit different. That's why I wanted to sort of take that word wisdom, because yes. that might be new for some people that are listening, but uh, really to to this awakening from the inside out. Um, I love that. So for our purposes today for the podcast, you know, I invited you to come on to talk about conscious relationships. Mm. And uh, I thought we would start with unconscious relationships. <laughs> And what are they characterized by? So an unconscious relationship would be what? Yeah, an unconscious relationship is really characterized generally by just our habitual way of being reactive um, and oftentimes re reacting from those places of like fight, a fight response um, that might be more irritation, agitation, or um an observed flight response that doesn't even mean necessarily flighting away from the relationship, but withdrawing in some way, shutting down, um, or what could be considered fawning, which is like a people pleasing and taking, you know, almost like trying to control the other person by appeasing, or even um, a freeze response, which might be just completely numbing and shutting down. Uh, but not taking responsibility for those or seeing how they impact those that we're relating with. I think there's also a tendency towards really high expectations, leaning on the other person for too much or even demanding um, needs be met. There's um, oftentimes not a lot of trust uh, just in the, the, um, that the other person has your interest, best interest in mind. Um, and then sometimes even some rigidity or, or just unpredictableness. So those are some of the characteristics I would say are present in unconscious relationships. Yeah. And I think that anyone listening, cause I know there were one or two in there that triggered me that thought, Oh, I might have a tendency to do that sometimes. Mm -hmm. But the idea with conscious relationships is that, what you were talking about before with working from the inside out is once I understand how I work on the inside, that yes. I can better react yes. in these types of relationships, these intimate relationships in our life. That exactly. To yeah, to respond um, rather, you know, to, to have a choice of how do I want to show up here rather than just being at the whim of those ways of, you know, those, those temporary states that emerge. Yeah, I like what you're saying about reacting versus sort of the self-awareness and what we're inviting people is to have this awareness yes. of the reaction. That's great. Um, why would it be important for me to, to have a conscious relationship? Yeah, well, one of the things I was really thinking about is that you know, as we were talking about earlier, if we're going to embody our our path, whatever that is, you know, 
um, in this case, the, the Christian wisdom path, our relationships are not separate from our spiritual life. And so, you know, we can view our relationships as a spiritual practice, as a discipline, as a devotion, and we can really begin to cultivate attending to these relationships as as living breathing organisms um which will bring you know i mean we don't do it necessarily for the outcome but it brings such a different way of of being in relationships that's more enjoyable and um and where we're, we feel more in alignment with our integrity to our practice i love that i i remember when i first went back to school um, years ago when my kids were really little and a pastor friend of mine said, you know, how does your husband feel about you back in school and about the types of classes? I think I was in a sports, spiritual formation class at the time mm -hmm. and program. And I said, I said, oh, he's so happy because I'm so happy. And it started to change. This work started to shift and change how I am with, you know, with the people in my house and it made, it made things easier. And I don't know, um, there's less resistance, you know, more awareness around like what, what my triggers are and how I react to things. That's such a great example because as you were tending to your own being uh, and, you know, becoming aware of those triggers and stewarding yourself you know one of the things i talk about is like we how we are creates an atmosphere right and then that atmosphere impacts other people and so there you are working towards tending to your own self and then that that impacts the whole family system yes yes it has this positive sort of ripple yes. effect and and that and that's why I would encourage people to to listen in and, and hear about, you know, conscious relationships versus unconscious relationships and unconscious relationships. I'm here you're kind of clanging about you're sort of there's these expectations. You might not be in your body. Everything yeah. is outward. And yeah. once we start to go in and sort of cultivate that relationship with ourselves and with the divine or yeah. with God or, you know, whoever that is for you, that that's when sort of that shift for me personally started to happen where I started to be so much more comfortable and at ease in my own body that it's sort of like you were saying, had sort of this energy field about it that, that was noticeable enough for my husband to be like, I think it's fantastic. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And something you're touching on there makes me want to just circle back a little bit more to that wisdom again because wisdom i said you know it's not knowing more but knowing with more of you it really is engaging our mind our emotions and our body you know to think about bringing those into alignment and harmonizing those and that does take awareness and um and some practice and and so part of conscious relationships, as you just pointed out, they begin with ourselves. We have to have a conscious relationship with ourselves, with God, and with others. Yeah. So a healthy, conscious relationship, can you tell me what, what those would look like? 
Yeah, so I was really pondering what are the practices? I I was thinking about it in terms of practices. So I'm going to share some of the practices that I believe are part of a conscious relationship that I've discovered. And I'm sure that there are others, but I have found that these are really helpful to to attend to. And they're not necessarily in any particular order. And you will notice that they these practices overlap and they build on each other and touch into each other. But one of the first practices uh, comes from actually a wisdom teacher, Gurdjieff, who popularized the symbol of the Enneagram, which is now much more widely known. But um, this practice is called conscious labor. And so that might seem like a strange uh, <laughs> word or, <laughs> or practice, but all it really is is about intentionally working towards this conscious, conscious interaction um, while at the same time remaining aware of yourself. So it's, it's really any intentional effort that moves to override our mechanical automatic patterns, like you were saying. So in a situation in a, when I'm relating with a, a partner or a daughter or a friend, you know, I may have that trigger come up and, and the automatic thing may be to snap at that person or to, um, you know, or to be a little bit uh, agitated or something like that. And, and I'm just simply, the practice of conscious labor is I'm simply noticing that about myself, noticing the things in me that I don't necessarily want to see um, when I'm being impatient or judgmental. Uh, and also it could be as pleasant as appreciating something about being present with the other person rather than being caught in thought or daydream. Um, and it could be as courageous as, you know, not succumbing to that pattern when I see it, not interrupting the person, not giving advice when not asked for, you know, those kinds of things. So it's really about this inner, it's about inner growth and a struggle to be awake and present, which does lead to a certain kind of friction because we see it we don't necessarily we can't always do something different we don't necessarily want it to be there but we learn to tolerate this this inner friction yeah and so i interviewed this woman uh this meditation expert recently her name's ann sussman and she said that meditation and you could say i would imagine that centering prayer is in the catch point when you're yes. turning yourself back, it's in that catch point. And what I'm hearing is a little invitation that when the next time that I run into a friend and instead of walking right through them or sort of hurrying the conversation along because I need to get inside the grocery store or wh whatever task that's before me to be all there, but then to have sort of that catch point where I catch myself or notice, I'm noticing yes. Um, what's happening inside my body while we're having the conversation. So I'm, I'm, it's really conscious and aware conversations versus on to the next thing. You know, that type of person who's coming down the street fast and they're like, Hey, Heather, Hey, 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 Hey. And they're just, they just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that really does tie into one of the other practices um, from Gurdjieff called self-observation. And so it's really, it's the seeing that and catching it. Right. Um, seeing yourself honestly and impartially as you are, not as you wish to be, and observing some of those. Um, Say that again. Beliefs. I love that. Yeah. Seeing as you are, not as yes. you think you should be. 
Yes, not as you wish to be. Yes. Right. So that's observing, you know, what we're doing, like you said there, um, our thinking patterns, right? We can sometimes get into, we can make stories about um, what the other, you know, that person just made that facial expression at me. They must be mad at me, you know, we, or maybe that's a thought pattern that comes or um, gosh, that person never considers me or we can just go into all kinds of places in our minds, or maybe we have particular emotions that emerge a lot when we're around other people, or even just noticing body postures, facial expressions, gestures, things we do. And again, we're not, we're not beating ourselves up for what we see. We're really working towards that honest, impartial seeing ourselves, but catching it, as you said, and bringing in that awareness, seeing that sometimes actually makes enough space that we can make a different choice that feels more in line with who we are. And again, that comes from the inside, not not a should or what other people think we ought to be, but going, gosh, is this really loving? You know, that it, maybe it's not, and maybe I wanna make a choice that feels more congruent to the love inside I have towards this person. I'm also thinking about that compare and compete sometimes if we see a friend and and we do that and and you were saying this observing them and you might be looking and thinking oh wow they look better different whatever whatever um yeah absolutely uh so uh so in that in those situations you're asking your the invitation is to be present and awake Mm -hmm. with the people that we are in relationships with and encountering throughout the day and then what do you suppose happens once we are able to do that you know what are the benefits then of seeing ourselves you know i think part of it too is recognizing that i don't have to be i don't have to go through my relationships um from kind of a sleepy place right Uh, (laughs) which is the opposite of being awake and present right then then i get to come more from wholeness and i get to invite that from the other as well and i think that's another practice here is is committing to wholeness and to growth which is a bit of a paradox there because we choose to see even as we see ourselves and these patterns we choose to see ourselves as whole and we choose to see the other person as whole even if we're only interacting with a part of them. And I love um, James Finley, another wisdom teacher. Um, he talks about seeing that all people carry the spark of the divine in them, regardless of their ability to manifest it. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes about like seeing that in other people and almost like breathing into it in a way like like you would an ember in a fire you know how do i see that in the other person and then feed that so that it becomes bigger it takes up more space and um but the paradox here is that even though we're committed to seeing the other person as whole or seeing ourselves as whole conscious relationships have that element of growing as well so um so we also let people not be static and we and we let them change and we and we don't try to change them so there's a accepting what is 
um, while allowing them to grow. And I think that feels better to be to to be in a relationship where you know you're allowed to grow and change and the other person can grow and change. And there's enough space for that. Mm, I love that. Enough space for that. Um, so does that bleed into this wholeness and growth number two? Yeah. Seeing one another as already whole and carrying the spark of the divine regardless. I mean, we just talked about that a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah. The other as they are. So, yeah. Um, the other as they are. And I think we all we all appreciate being accepted as we are knowing we're in process and yeah there's a difference too when i speak to someone who is consciously awake to me and attending mm -hmm. to me in a conversation i i know you know my husband's really good at that he's great at at, at listening to me but sometimes you know, you'll see his head wander just like any of us yeah. and i'll be like hey hey wait a minute you know did you hear what I just said? Or, or, you know, there's some frustration around that, but when somebody really is consciously listening to me, there's, there's something that happens. There's th this underlying sort of exchange of love or maybe that spark that you were talking about, because it makes me feel good when I know that someone really see sees me. Right. Um, yeah. I had a, a spiritual director friend who was so good at that. She would be talking to someone and people would be sort of, everyone's drawn to her and they would be standing around her trying to get in the bubble, mm -hmm. get their second with her. And you know how people can just come in and interrupt or if you're at a party, somebody just walks up and you're talking to someone and she doesn't let that happen. She, because mm -hmm. she won't take her gaze off of the person that, that has her full attention until she's finished and then she sort of releases them and then she'll turn to the next person yeah. and I always witnessed that I mean this was years ago I witnessed that and I just thought it was so amazing because it made the person that she was speaking to feel so valued so seen so heard and you know and that's why people were in line trying to get a piece of her because we're we're maybe we're all longing for that yeah I think we are all longing for that and that's such a great picture. I love that image, right? It's almost like she just was just not going to be taken off center. Right? I'm here, I'm with you, and nothing's going to take me out of that. Yeah. Mm, that's beautiful. Sure I don't think she practiced that, but. What's that? I'm sure that she had practiced that and it was part of her training or, or whatever it was, but it doesn't matter. It was just how she made me feel. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. what mattered, yeah. Yeah, and there's a piece of that I think that ties into maybe another one of the practices, which is around taking responsibility for ourselves. It's like in that moment, she was taking responsibility for how she wanted to show up and just staying there, right? And, you know, um, I think so in conscious relationships, there there's this idea that we recognize no one else is responsible for us and we have to learn how to be responsible for those interstates for how we want to be present with the other person we have to we recognize that how we impact we recognize how we impact other people when we say react versus respond we we repair when necessary um and we recognize that the past 
is, you know, oftentimes manifesting in this relationship. You mentioned the word trigger, right? A trigger is often when something um, uh, ancient comes up, right? And it gets poked in that moment and then it's there. So there's nothing wrong with that. We're all humans, that happens. But we take responsibility for that without putting it on the other person. And, and, and sometimes that means you know, if we're in a struggle, it's not that we have to completely tend to that on our own, but we can then come to the other person and say, I'm struggling right now. Could you hold my hand? Could you give me a hug? Could you just be with me, you know, or let me talk this out or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. I love how you say that we're each responsible for ourselves. Yeah. I don't think we think I, I know that, but I don't know that we necessarily think about that the enormity yeah. of that all the time you know I, I i know this sounds crazy but i remember the first time when i was little that i realized that i was me mm -hmm. you know that nobody could hear the thoughts in my head i mean i was really little but it was just a defining moment in my life when i realized like whoa like i'm i'm i know i'm part of a unit but like yes. that's just me yes yeah i think that's true because we are so relational in nature and we do find ourselves, you know, and orient ourselves in these, you know, in the family system or in our friendships and our relationships, there can be almost this temptation to, you know, well, I'm acting this way because you did this, mm -hmm. uh, you know, which, which I see so often in relationships, right? Well, if you did this, then I could do this. And, um, and although there may be some truth to that, ultimately, we're the ones that are responsible for ourselves. And, and going back to your example, when you change, then that can impact the other people around you. Um, so tell me about uh, intentional suffering. Yes. So this is another practice from Gurdjieff. And um, I think that the the essence of it is that we do know conscious relationships take work and they're not always easy. And as we're in relationship with other people, they don't always show up in ways that we enjoy, appreciate, like, because again, we're, we're subject to their reactivity just as, as much as they're subject to ours. And so intentional suffering is, is basically taking our relationships and making that suffering more conscious. So I'm willing to choose to embrace the suffering I'll experience in these moments with you. Um, and maybe some of the ways that it's difficult to be around you. Um, and I see you honestly and accept you. And um, Kirji says, bear bear consciously the negative manifestations of the other um just as they do for us so it's 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 a conscious choice you know we can we can suffer unconsciously and that can uh sometimes spiritual teachers will call that stupid suffering uh, because we're not aware of it and we're just we're just at the whim of it and that intentional suffering is saying i know that conscious relationships take work and that it's not always pleasant and i'm going to choose to embrace some of that suffering and and how this person may be showing up without trying to change them yeah 
Um, and what would an example of that be? Well, let's say you're, I'm thinking about maybe blind spots in other people, right? So let's say my, my partner is working through something and is just a little bit more agitated. I may choose to just say, okay, I don't like that. This is hard for me. I know that they are, that, you know, that he is, he's working through something. So I'm just going to create a little bit more space and choose to be uncomfortable while I know he's working through this, whatever he's working through. Um, or like at, you know, say Thanksgiving dinner or something, you know, you're going to be around a, a family member that just doesn't stop talking, right? Um, and so I'm going to choose to be around, I'm going to choose to engage, you know, aunt so-and-so and let her talk, even though it's really hard for me and uncomfortable. And I'm just going to, I'm going to intentionally suffer. I mean, suffer might sound like a strong word, but, but it's, it's just like engaging that hard thing out of love. Okay. And not sort of reacting to it or avoidance. Yeah. And we don't always have to choose to do that. But when we do, we choose it. We choose it rather than doing it and then being resentful or. Well, I think uh, the key there was out of love. So you must love the ant, but there's that irritation about the talking too much. Mm -hmm. yeah. Versus mm -hmm. someone who is not good for you at all. That Yes. Yes, which would be different, right? We if somebody if somebody is not good for you at all and all you're doing is suffering, you might have to reevaluate that relationship and potentially even let it go. Yeah, yeah. Which which a lot of us have to do, which is tough. It is um, tough. It's it's either that or I sometimes think you know, every time you go back at it, it's the same story and you're just keep hitting the same wall and to, to, to consciously yeah. you know, care for my own soul. I have to sort of, even when it's family let, you know, yeah. I kind of think of it as a boat sometimes sort of out in the ocean and sort of let, let it go kind of out to sea. And when it, the boat starts coming back in closer and I'm feeling, you know, uptight again and, un, you know, not at ease in my body, because the person always brings yes. angst into my life that I, I sort of have that visual. I don't know. That's how I self-care for it. But. No, that's a great visual. And you bring up a good point that I think needs to be said here around conscious relationships. Not all relationships are conscious, right? And um, even though we may want to show up consciously in a relationship, that doesn't necessarily mean the other person is committed to that or wants that and so that can that can mean we have to find that space um that that is the appropriate distance where we can love them the most right so and that can feel counterintuitive like you're saying sometimes i have to let that boat drift really far because that's the place where i can still remain loving mm, so and i love that you kept the word loving in there so it wasn't like completely <laughs> yeah scissors out and cutting the cord completely but like from a loving distance and, and that sounds to me like that's more care of my own soul by by having that reaction yeah i love that which in which in turn is loving for them right so it is caring for you but it's also caring for them because you know if they're up close up here 
then I'm not going to show up very loving. And then that's not going to be good for either one of us. Yeah, no, that's, that's helpful. Um, so you talk about taking responsibility, responding rather than reacting by dealing with your own inner states, mm-hmm. recognizing how you impact others and repairing when necessary. That kind of the last little story bleeds into this. Yeah, absolutely. And um, that, yeah, so the, so the repairing went, and I think we've talked a little bit about the, you know, recognizing our responsibility, but that repairing. So when I know I've been out of integrity with myself, you know, to be able to come back and say, wow, that um, when I snapped at you, that wasn't about you. I'm sorry. You know, I I wish I could have done that differently. But um, that, you know, to, so to take ownership, I'm not saying, well, it, you did this. So I had to do this. It's it's just saying I did this and I'm sorry. Yeah. And um, and I think that that's that really does. So these next several practices I want to talk about sort of tie into this idea of responsibility and um, and recognizing that relationships, conscious relationships have, well, all relationships have an energy exchange. And, um, and really that's, we bring certain kind of energies into the relationship and we draw, we withdraw them. And it's just like the other person brings certain kinds of energies in you were talking about that anxious energy right that when somebody brings that kind of anxious energy in a way it's a withdrawal of the energy between you right because that costs you something um to be to be with and um and so these energies can also be seen cynthia bourgeau talks about them um some of the energies can be like the fruits of the spirit love patience kindness gentleness self-control you know forbearance we we can bring those and and put them into our relationships um it can be even things like the love languages quality time gift giving acts of service physical touch words of encouragement um but but part of that taking responsibility is being aware of you know what's going to be in integrity to this relationship um and not just showing up with the leftovers right it's in a conscious relationship oftentimes you know if we have a demanding job or just a lot going on we can we can tend to bring our leftovers to our partners or our family members people that we really want to be having conscious relationships with rather than going gosh this is taking so much of my energy maybe i need to make some adjustments so that i can be more in integrity with that exchange with the people that i really want to have this i think that what you just described is probably very common for people to bring all of that into the relationship instead of shifting gears and saying what's needed here right now and 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 all of those beautiful things that you named um about touch and love and Yes, yes, yes. What's needed. So that that's another if it's okay to just go into that one. What, you know, asking what's needed rather than what do I need? You know, so often we go into relationships looking for our needs to be met first. And I'm not saying our needs are not important because they are, and that's part of the integrity with the with the energy exchange. But like you just said, if we can practice asking what's 
needed right now rather than looking for somebody to complete us or make us happy or you know help us avoid our emotions or whatever coming with that inner posture of what can i bring rather than what can i get that maybe even you know lightheartedness or creativity or play you know um this 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 commitment to bringing something because that puts the energy exchange in a much more positive well it gives it a chance to be in much more of a positive reinforcement cycle right i bring that and then you want to bring that and then you bring that and that feels good and my needs do get met and then i want to meet your needs and then we get into this wanting to meet each other's needs wanting to offer these things and rather than um, well, I'm not getting my needs met. Well, I'm not getting my needs met. Well, I, you know, and that can, that can really happen. Now, going back to your, your point around, um, if you have to let a relationship work, part of it is like, once we try some of these things, does the, does the relationship work or not? Because if we keep coming to a relationship and saying, you know, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep taking responsibility for myself. I'm going to ask what's needed rather than what do I need. I'm going to focus on what is good and cultivating abundance, which I'll talk about in a moment. You know, does the relationship work or does that person just continue to take withdrawals and not not contribute to that nice energy flow? Because if that's the case, then that you may have to let it drift a bit. Yeah. And often people disappoint us. Yes. And it's because that I've had this expectation. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing that in there. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah. So two other things there, you know, in conscious relationships, um, we, 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 they definitely, or they generally are fairly low maintenance, not a lot of expectations. There's a flexibility and an ability to navigate realistic desires and expectations without demanding or coercing, right? So many of disappointments, so many of our disappointments point us to unmet expectations, which point us to our desires, right? And so, so often we just expect the other person to read our mind um to meet our expectations uh, even though we've maybe never even communicated that clearly so conscious relationships really do that's part of that taking responsibility i take responsibility for my desires i ask for what i want if something feels out of balance and i don't demand it but I don't shy away from it either. I don't, I don't just wait for them, that other person to notice what I want. And what if it's still not met, even if you've said what you wanted? Yeah, I think that there's a, a point where we have to sometimes assess those desires. How important is this to me? Yeah. Right. Um, especially those desires that are really, aligned with our vision and our values for our life you know if there's a few of those expectations that go unmet in our relationships we can handle that if there's enough of the good other stuff right but if all a relationship ends up being is unmet expectations 
uh, it's likely not going to sustain itself. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And there's a tipping point, right? Because um, which this, I guess, sort of ties into another practice that I wanted to touch into, which is around the, um, you know, cultivating abundance versus scarcity. If I commit myself to focus on what is working, what is good, what I appreciate rather than what's missing, then um, then I can get an actual sense of how how often i'm still feeling like there's an unmet expectation right if i'm bringing my attention to what is good and what is right but i'm constantly having a pit in my stomach when i'm interacting in this relationship you know or i i'm constantly just feeling unseen unheard you know unconsidered then then I may have to choose to say, gosh, I, I, I've put all these things into practice and it's still not working. So I may need to let that go, which is really painful. Oh, terribly painful. That's when they get in the boat. Yes. <laughs> you got to put them in the boat. Yes. But it is. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, I've lived long enough that I've, I've definitely experienced that. And how about cult- cultivating trust? Yeah, this one feels really important as well in terms of this idea of taking responsibility and tending to this, you know, energy between us. Um, So often our temptation is to to wait for the other person to earn our trust. And I want to be clear that I'm not talking about this with just anybody. This is for conscious relationships, right, that we've chosen to say, this person really matters to me. I really care about them. So, so almost like generating that trust from within, I'm going to, I'm going to trust that I have your best interest in mind, that you have my best interest at heart. And I'm going to, I'm going to give you trust rather than waiting for it to be earned and um because so often our general way of viewing trust is it needs to be earned and um and obviously if somebody is constantly doing things to break trust that's going to erode that but i think in general with our partners with with um friendships that we choose I'm going to choose to trust that person and trust that they have my best interest in mind, even when they do something that I don't understand or doesn't, you know, doesn't quite, it's like, oh gosh, you know, that person didn't invite me to that, um, that party they were doing. And rather than just jumping to some sort of conclusion about that, if it's a conscious relationship, I'm going to choose to bring trust and say, I trust that person has my best interest at heart. And so perhaps there's a reason that I don't see it for that. And, um, and I'm going to stay there until, until I know otherwise. And, and um, I think the other thing right now with just sort of this more common psychological uh, focus in, in, our world right now, and certainly here in the United States, I hear a lot of people say, well, that person's not safe. And so I'm not, I'm not going to be in relationship with them when really what they're saying is that person's not comfortable for me, right? There is 
a there are unsafe relationships that is that is true there are unsafe people but a lot of what we call unsafe is just not my preference i don't like that or that's un, that's that is uncomfortable for me and so really even sitting with that when we think about trust is this person doing showing me that they are unsafe if they are i want to believe them you know or if if they're showing me that and i and that can be emotional unsafety right like okay this person is um constantly belittling me they uh they don't ever or or they they don't consistently show up when we've created an expectation right um those things can they can create a a an an, a, an, an energy of lack of trust and that that is completely um something to pay attention to sure would you say that it might be in an intimate relationship, you know, we're talking about conscious relationships with people that are in, we're in relationship with, you know, probably in our own house, mm-hmm. um, you know, or, or in our everyday lives in a, in a uh, continual basis. Would you say that it would be helpful? Like you, you and I were kind of going through the year 10 practices for conscious relationships. Mm-hmm. Would it be good to kind of communicate verbally, um, like especially this last one that you just talked about, about cultivating trust or, um, you know, about being more conscious about your relationships to to communicate that rather than sort of me just taking these practices and the things that we talked about today and applying them to Mm -hmm. my own life? Would it be helpful? Um, You know, do you suggest that in your work? I do because if it's a conscious relationship, both people are are generally wanting to do that, right? To engage in that way. So, so I think it can be really useful to say, "Hey, you know, these are some of the things I'm really working on in our relationship, and and I'm wondering if you value these too. And can we talk about that? Can we both commit to to these practices with one another?" And then that does give a common language then to say, if you do feel like something is out of alignment, to be able to address it and 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 do it from those principles even. Like, okay, I, I'm going to acknowledge all the good here and there's this area that I'm wondering we, if we can tweak a little. Yeah, yeah. I think I just find, you know, listening to it that it would, it would be helpful. You know, we talked at the beginning about my, you know, my friend asking, me, how my husband felt about me going back to school and yeah. to learn, you know, to be the spiritual teacher. And, uh, and I said, Oh, he's thrilled because I'm, I seem so different and changed and happier. And, and not that I wasn't happy before, but I'm much more conscious now and awake. And I know that it has influenced my children. Mm. I don't sit down and teach them what I teach, but they hear it they pick up on it. They see how I interact with, you know, with other people. It just, it has this ripple effect, but I also see that there might be this added bonus of communicating and saying, you know, um, you know, let's cultivate trust <laughs> with each other. And, you know, let's ask, you know, what's needed rather than what I need and, and what do you need, honey? And, and that sort of thing. I think that's, um, it's beautiful. It adds like some, another layer to it. 
Yeah, and probably discerning when you want to do that and when you don't, right? Because I love that, you know, both both have a place to just do what you were doing and just be who you were being and have that ripple out. And then in some cases, it may be having a more intentional relationship. You know, for example, my husband and I have talked about these things and it's nice to have a shared vocabulary because even when we're going to go interact with other people, sometimes one of us will remind ourselves, like, what do we think might be needed here? Mm. And, you know, that can be that make for a nicer (laughs) gathering if everybody arrived saying that. And I wonder what's needed here. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just feel like all this conscious work makes the world a better place. You know, that it makes our relationships the way we interact with one another and look, I'm not perfect. And I definitely have relationships and, or have had in my life that haven't been perfect. And even the ones that I'm having now aren't, aren't perfect, but I, I, I do the best I can. And I consciously try to be awake. And hopefully some of these points that we, or all of the points that we touched on today will help people really to step back, go inside, right? Yes. Talked about that outside coming in versus the inside coming out. And I, I believe that, you know, my good life starts with starting from the inside coming out. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah. So I always ask people at the uh, at the end of the podcast what words they're living by right now or what what their favorite quote is by Howard Thurman. And it says, uh, God is at work enlarging the boundaries of my heart. God is making room in my heart for compassion, the awareness that where my life begins is where your life begins, the awareness that the sensitivities to your needs cannot be separated from the sensitivities to my needs, the awareness that the joys of my heart are never mine alone, nor are my sorrows. I struggle against the work of God in my heart. I want to be left alone. I want my boundaries to remain fixed, that I may be at rest, that even now, as I turn to God in the quietness, God's work in me is ever the same. God is at work in enlarging the boundaries of my heart. I think that that summarizes everything that we talked about today. And, and you know, what's so striking about this quote is there's this selflessness about it because it's about me, but it's also about the other. Yes. Yes. And conscious relationships have to be that they have to be both about me and about the other. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that and for sharing your wisdom today. (laughs) No pun intended. Thank you, Pam. It's been a delight to be here and to get to talk about these things that are so important to me. Yeah. And I think make the world a better place. So thank you for, for that. I'm Pam Rotelli-Robertson, and you have been listening to Talking Joy, talks that help you realize your value while creating authentic connections with others. For more information about our talk today or to get in touch, you can find us at TalkingJoy.org. And to keep the encouragement going, you can also follow Talking Joy on Instagram and Facebook. Simple, joyful, fun. Thanks for listening. This is Talking Joy.